what's up shining lights this is Irvin and Nico your host on uh this uh, shining spotlight and uh today we are here with uh the uh newest fire in uh the originals uh Eisner award uh, nominee Josh Hey, nice to meet you. What's up? What's up? Thank you so much for coming on today. We're really excited about this. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. For all of you uh, who don't know, uh, you see any in the uh, title and description here, World Peace is the title of uh, the work he's got out here. Fire, uh, mad, mad props, uh, being uh, the Thank next you. work Viz has put out in their uh, yeah. latest Viz Originals. I think Thank that you puts you, much. what, the number two author uh, that they put on that? In yeah, that it was um, Fangirl, which was an adaptation of a novel, mm -hmm. and then World Peace, which was created from the ground up with uh, Viz. And then the third is Devil's Candy, which is a webcomic compilation. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, nice. You know, yeah, we, uh, we got the heads up with, uh, with, with Fangirl uh, when we were speaking with Gabrielle before. Oh, uh, yeah, representative yeah. for the Viz. Yeah, I saw that you talked to her. That's really cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what? Do you know uh, her um, as well? Or? Yeah, I've been um, working with her on publicity for World Peace. Uh, we've had meetings and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Nice. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, uh, oh, look. I was in the store, uh, what was it, uh, just uh, a couple weeks ago, I was in Barnes & Noble. I'm like, I already, we already planned, like, we got to get this guy on the show. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, shoot, okay, all right. Yeah, I got to do your research. That's yeah. cool. Oh, yeah. So, all right. oh, no, go ahead, Nico. By all means. And I was just going to say, so I'm curious, so, of course, before working on World Peace, you also worked on a story called Spira, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yeah. Yeah, Sparrow was my um, fantasy series. Um, it was my deb debut publication. Um, it, it was a webcomic adaptation, but we com completely remade it for the book. And uh, that's the thing where I have that, the Eisner nomination for. So how did that process go? Like, of course, you know, you worked on Sparrow, but like, you know, in terms of like, you know, your process and being able to make it to the stats where you, you were nominated for Eisner, like what was your planning stages like for that story? Uh, I, well, I'll just say I definitely wasn't planning to be nominated for anything, like nominated for an Eisner or anything like that. Um, I just wanted to tell the story that I, I wanted to tell, which is um, something that's it was kind of like a fairy tale JRPG mashup. Um, and the planning stages, basically just looking at my, my childhood love of both fairy tales and JRPGs, like, uh, 16-bit, 32-bit JRPGs, um, like Final Fantasy VI, which came out here as three, as you probably know, um, stuff like that. Um... And then I just, I wrote it as an adventure story about two princesses, um, a warrior cat named Chobo and a fire spirit named Yonder. And it was kind of structured like a JRPG, like um, start off at a town, go through a field, go to a dungeon, 
go to another town and so on. That's that's pretty much how I plan that story. Uh, and I've actually seen comments about Road Peace for um, people seem to see that structure in Road Peace as well. So uh, I, I imagine I just, I probably just fell in love with that structure playing those games as a kid. So my adventure stories usually kind of follow that, like start in the city, go to a field, like meet up with party members or friends and go to a dungeon, fight monsters, level up, stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah, we definitely saw aspects of that uh, in the story here. Yeah. Uh, going to the the, the the new the new world, you got the setup uh, starting up like some uh, great narrative uh, in the game. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I, I, I was mad fan, Final Fantasy fan. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely is. I'm like, I'm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a huge influence on me. Um, yeah. I've got to ask: Do you uh, keep up with Sora online at all? Sorry? Sword Art Online, have you ever watched it before? Oh, uh, no, I haven't watched that. Uh, the, the closest I came to that was, I, I guess there's like a spinoff, like Gun something, was oh, it Gun, Gun, Gun Art? Yeah. So yeah, it was one where it's like, um, more like military focused. I, I played the uh, the video game of that. Yeah. And that's like the closest I've come to Sword Art Online. It had some of the characters in it and stuff too, but. Uh, that, that's uh, like an isekai, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, Real Peace, even though I I don't think I consciously actually intended it as such, but I can see Real Peace is kind of like an isekai as well, since it's like a guy from Toronto gets sucked into another world, basically. But he's not overpowered like isekai characters. He's pretty weak. Mm. <laughs> No. Yeah, it's a level up. Yeah, yeah, it it could be considered so. That that being said, I didn't. It, it's interesting. I didn't. Um, I didn't think that the underlying structure of it was uh was like some of these some of these typical uh, isekais uh, you, you see out here though. Uh, yeah, I, I guess isekai is like the trope is to get hit by a truck or something. Uh, <laughs> They get hit by a truck, or for whatever yeah. reason, off, and they go to another world where they find some book in the library, or uh, some random text in a game. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's not like that, but I think Viz initially were considering uh, marketing it as an isekai, but um, I, I think they might be pushing more towards marketing it as a space opera, which is really what it is. You don't really see that in the first book. Yeah. But starting in the next book, they're going to be like traveling all over the universe, like going to different planets and space stations and stuff like that. Yeah, you see the setup so, of that at the end. Yeah, yeah, the, the setup is there. And I, I feel like volume two is where people will really see what the narrative uh, is like. Since from volume two to the end of the series, it's like a huge space opera. Like, um, well, well, I guess like some anime space operas would be like Outlaw Star. Um, oh yeah, Outlaw Star. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd say if you, you look at Outlaw Star, you'd kind of have a sense of the the interplanetary travel that's going to be happening in a piece. Nice, nice, nice. So would you say like, what would you, like, I guess, what was your, I guess it's out of the RPGs, like in terms of like, I know you mentioned um, Final Fantasy, right? Yeah. So, but in terms of like for like the 
sci-fi aspect do you have another particular like um like influence that you have maybe that you're drawing from for that or yeah so i i have some visual aids here do a little show and tell so when i was uh when we were starting volume one i was kind of looking at royal space force which is um it's a uh, guy in axe's first movie um which is like uh alternate universe uh um sci-fi story um and it had it has kind of like almost like a steampunk aesthetic like if blade runner instead of being cyberpunk was steampunk that's kind of um the vibe i get from the um, overall look of that movie um and that was kind of my starting point for the sci-fi world. Um, but then we, we kind of shifted in a different direction for the architecture and stuff where it was a bit more rounded and organic looking. Uh, and then uh, starting from volume two was when I started watching uh, Nadia, The Secret of Blue Water, which yeah. is uh, another Gainax series, um, just fantastic adventure story. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, like I started watching that while writing volume two and it's probably the biggest influence on the entire series. So I feel like if somebody is a fan of Nadia and then they read volume two of World Peace when it comes out, they'll probably understand what I'm talking about. Yeah, Not I to saw quite too a bit of Nadia away. influence there. Okay, yeah. Do you have any like, particular characters that you have um based on anyone like in your life or anything like that? Is there anyone where you're like, okay, you know, this is kind of, you know, who I am? Uh, yeah, yeah, actually, that's a good question because Mitten is named after um, a coworker of mine. Uh, a couple of years ago, like before COVID hit, I worked in a factory and one of my coworkers, his name is Mitten and he was a huge supporter and I kept like telling him, he gave me rides to work and I kept telling him about world peace and stuff and he kept like rooting me on and everything. So when it came time to like naming that character, I, I thought I'd name it after him. Um, yeah. And, and then uh, Lucas I created just because I kind of, I wanted to write something with like a positive male role model for my son really. Um, because my other published books have female protagonists and my daughter loves them. Um, uh, and I wrote those like around the time she was being like born and growing up and stuff. Um, so Road Peace is like the, the first big publication I've had since um, my son was born. So I thought and my son is like a really positive and optimistic little dude. And I kind of wanted to capture that vibe with Lucas. Just somebody who's always cheer cheerful, no matter like how intense the situation might be. Yeah, I think I, I kind of saw you, uh, you said on uh, Twitter, you know, how uh, your son was really uh, digging the story. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, you saw that. Yeah, he, uh, it's, it's amazing to me because he's never been like that with any of my books, but yeah, uh, when we when I got my um, complimentary copies in, uh, I, I gave copies to my my kids, and my son just keeps like picking up, grabbing it, flipping through it, reading it from beginning to end. He's always asking questions about it and stuff like that. So, but I, I feel like I, I nailed what I intended to do on a personal level, I guess, for 
I, I wrote a protagonist that um, my son kind of sees himself in. Nice, nice, nice. Okay, so uh, I mean, going back to to Ben, I know you named him uh, after your coworker. Where yeah, yeah. his character traits, uh, his personality from uh, this coworker as well, or was that based off of something else? Uh, no, I, I just kind of named him as like a little uh, homage to my coworker, who's really supportive, um, and, and I have been keeping touch with him during COVID, and I miss a lot of the people there. Um, but uh, yeah, I'd say Mitten's traits, where he's like more of an introvert and he just wants to read books and stuff like mm -hmm. that. He's probably, if I had to like say one character was based more on like my personality, Mitten would be the closest. No, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I, I kind of got that vibe. That's what I had to that's, add. That's, yeah, that's kind of why like I, I pick Mitten as my profile picture on social media and stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's what I, I was yeah. thinking, I figured that um, myself actually. I was like, hmm. yeah, yeah. It's like you're like basically like, here, I'm gonna just sit here next to the characters and just kind of watch the story unfold and help them out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so uh, I, I, I'm going to come back to uh, to Min and uh, Lucas uh, a bit later. I did want to, uh, I mean, what, what was your inspiration with uh, Lily? Uh, Lully, she really just goes back again to like me being a fan of fairy tales and stuff like that. So the idea is like Lully, um, she wears uh, like a sparkly black crown and she dresses up in a kind of like fancy fairy tale-esque way, but she's not actually a princess. Um, she's uh, completely isolated um, from the rest of Athen. Um, because by her um, rich, influential parents who are like really protective of her, uh, since his, since her dad understands like how dangerous the world outside their home is, and I, I feel like there are hints of that when she sees her dad at the end of the book. Um, but yeah, the idea is that she's just kind of like a traditional, um, like princess locked up in a tower kind of thing. Right. And then when um, Lucas comes around, she decides that now's the time to finally leave and go on her own adventures as well and live her own life. But yeah, yeah, the, the reason she's kind of like self-aware, like she, she wears the crown and stuff because she figures she might as well dress as what she sees herself as. So that's actually, so it's actually interesting when I hear about Lily, and uh, this is going to kind of tie back into uh, Lucas and uh, Midden here. But uh, one of the things I really enjoyed when uh, when I was going through the book was uh, was especially in Lily's case how how well you uh, you kind of depicted kind of their internal uh, internal conflicts through, uh, through yeah. their dialogue and expressions throughout the story and their uh, their certain obstacles. Uh, I, 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 a lot of uh, creators I see in the OEL community uh, yeah. tend to lack in that department. But you know, I, I, I no offense, but I, I, I was, I was expecting it to start a bit shaky uh, with that dialogue. But it's interestingly enough, uh, in Lily's case, where she started off is kind of like the, the yeah. princess, where she's like, oh, I just want to be friends, and what, or you know, I just want the, the good, you know, a, a, a great friend, and you know, wants to do an adventure. <laughs> 
you start yeah. to see uh, as as uh, the story progresses, uh, uh, various uh, instances of uh, of uh, the change within her, and uh, technically the other characters, uh, main cast too, uh, just start to uh, see like uh, reasons why they really want this slash uh, the their dilemma with uh, with what they're trying to run away from with it. And yeah. I feel like Lily came really full circle near the end of that book there. Uh, yeah, yeah, she she might have the most character development. And it's interesting since I think if you look at like the last 20 pages or so, or so she's basically the protagonist at the end of the book. Uh, that's not the case when you get to volume two, but like um, like Mitten and Lucas get knocked out. And then yeah. the Lully who goes up to Damis and confronts him and all this stuff. And she's the one who has the big confrontation with the uh, the unseen villain. Yeah. Up to that point, um, <laughs> I, I'm like, we so, got we get to the end of the book, and I'm, and I'm like, wow, she uh, she straight up took over. She's like, I'm done crying. Uh, I, I'm done yeah, playing yeah. damsel in distress. <laughs> you two take yeah. a seat. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. About to address this. That's exactly how it goes. Full circle. She meets the father, meets the Don, and I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, that's, and that's probably takes the situation in her hands. Yeah, yeah. When she meets her father and all that stuff goes down, I feel like that might be the most successful twist in the book. I'm, I'm pretty proud of that moment. No, I, props to you for that moment. You had you had me uh, raise an eyebrow, cheese. I'm like, oh. <laughs> this uh, this turned this turned very uh, in a very interesting direction. Yeah, thank you. Uh, um. And obviously, I got uh, similar things to say in regards to uh, Min and Lucas. Uh, and uh, in in Min's regard, okay, um, I actually was curious. Uh, like his transition was uh, well, it, it was it was an interesting one because uh, on one hand you were you were like uh, you were like like would he accept this that easily? But then it's like oh he's he's kind of stuck with them because you know they they are they do make it easier for his agenda. Uh, yeah. And then yeah. He comes for a circle where he's like I'm lying to myself. I you know I I really you know like their companionship. I thought that was very interesting in his case. Yeah. Uh Basically, he's he's gone AWOL, and he's trying to get away from the Affin robot army. Uh, I, I feel I've, I've seen some comments about like the robot army and how and how it's it's kind of confused confusing. Um, uh, I should should have clarified it in uh, the first book, but it will be in the second. But um, Mitten and his parents are basically like the only humans in the robot army. Uh, there are some others as well, but um, it's basically like the humans are the generals and stuff that uh, command the robots. But uh, <laughs> Mitten is an officer in the robot army. That's why you only see him. Uh, another thing that I, I kind of want to clarify, I feel like it might not have been clarified, but Effin's like not actually at war or or like um, obviously at war with anybody when the uh, the book starts. And I feel like there's some confusion about that because when people hear that there's an army in a the book, they're like, okay, there's a war happening. 
But uh, again, that's that's not actually the case in this book. Um, yeah, I think but, there was what two instances Maiden kind of put out there that uh, that well, uh, it's that's that's like the impression that the army is trying to sell. They're just basically trying to like, fuel. Uh, yeah, more. yeah, yeah. He he does have like inner monologue and stuff about how uh, he's sick of his parents um, ma making him act ready for war, uh, even in times of peace and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, I feel like this is my chance to clarify some <laughs> things that I've seen in some comments. But yeah. Uh, Mitten's character development is basically he starts off trying to run away from his problems and then by the end he realizes he should probably start confronting them instead and that's his character development um, uh, <laughs> so I have to ask this okay so how do you feel in terms of like the current state of the industry like in terms of like right now you have like of course like a flux of like what people like to call and this has happened before so this isn't anything new i just want to say this to anybody who's watching you know like oel you know manga you know so you have a lot yeah. more of like like for example you like myself you know uh nico basically the whole industry who's creating um like you know comics that are more in like the manga style which has happened decades ago, you know, but you have even more people doing that now. What do you think about um, the current state of the industry? You know, like, do you have any thoughts on that? Or? Uh, I, I guess I'd probably have some thoughts, but uh, I, I don't know. I feel like I don't pay attention as much to, like, how things are selling and that kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, the... I, I guess just to kind of touch on some random aspects of that, like OEO manga has always been around at every point in the form of webcomics at the very least, um, especially more so now with platforms like Tapas and Webtoon. And there are some extremely popular comics on those platforms. Um, that are doing like incredibly well. Um, and like manga is outselling everything else and has been for a while. So I, I feel like there, there are multiple factors why OEL mangas seem to be coming back in terms of uh, like actual published books. I'd say one is because Manga is outselling everything else, so publishers want to get in on that action. So, like, Road Piece is with Viz, so that's already a manga publisher, but other publishers are, like, Random House and stuff like that are publishing more stuff that is basically uh, OEL manga, or at least heavily manga-inspired, if you look at the artwork and everything. Another thing is, uh, like... People of our general generation, I don't know everybody's ages, but I mean, like our generation, like uh, uh, we're the generation that's been like reading manga and watching anime our entire lives. So like all these people that have been doing that are now growing up and they're trying to work in the comics industry and bringing their love of, or their, 
lifelong love of manga and anime um, into their artwork and into their comics work. So you start to see that like coming in even with like Marvel stuff and things like that. Like there's a clearer manga influence in some things. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think I guess it's just like a combination of all of that. Uh, just like uh, in the '90s, early 2000s, and stuff like that. Like uh, comics are still very American. Like uh, lots of cross-hatching, um, kind of stiff artwork, big muscular dudes, stuff like that. Um, because the artists that were doing that, they weren't really the guys or and women who grew up watching anime and reading manga. They were the ones that grew up reading other uh, comic books and were influenced by the style of those comic books. And now, uh, yeah, everybody's inspired by anime and manga. You see it in cartoons. Like if you watch like any of the popular cartoons on Netflix and stuff like that, it's all animators that are inspired by anime, trying to sneak in references and things like that. Uh, so that's just kind of like my general thought on, um, this, I guess, the state of OEL manga and how it's coming back uh, in publishing. Okay, okay. You know, I have to ask, this is another thing I'm like, this just popped in my head. If you had to pick, and you had to pick between either getting world <laughs> animated or getting Spira animated. One, I don't even know if you'd want it to be animated. So let me ask that first. Would you no, I want I want World Peace animated really badly. Okay. And uh, <laughs> yeah, like uh, like part of me is like secretly hoping there's going to be like behind the scenes talks with like animation studios and this or something. Uh, if, if that doesn't really happen, then. I don't know. I feel like when volume two comes out and I have those two books, I might just like show them to like different animation studios and stuff like that and see if we can work something out. Cause uh, yeah, like even my dad read it and his first thought was that this should be a cartoon and stuff like that. Um, I, I've been like, I, I never really heard that with Spera or Warm Blood, which is another thing I write. Um, both World Peace, I, I see that comment pretty regularly. And I feel like it'd be a great fit for animation. So that's my dream right now. Okay, okay. Um, everybody has like the whole, like, I want this to become an anime, you know, goal. Like yeah, th this is definitely that goal for me. Right so with Spira, would you not want that to be animated too? Or is that something uh, in, the, in its current form if you think the story is best told that way? Uh, I'd, I'd love for anything that I've written to be animated. Uh, even Warm Blood, I actually uh, put together a pitch that I could send to animation studios at one point, but then I, I didn't for some reason. Um, but yeah, I think with Spera, I feel like um, some time has passed since that, that ended and um, it was a bit more experimental because it had a different artist on every chapter. And um, I don't know, Road, Road Piece, if I look at Agroshka's artwork uh, and how fluid it is and stuff like that, it just seems like a much better um, fit for animation for me. And also like, uh, I, I, I'm always trying to improve as much as I can uh, 
and maybe the action scenes in real peace volume one are maybe a little short but uh i, I feel like real peace probably has my best action scene so far um which is another reason why i feel like it would be a better fit for animation okay okay all right so uh i got a few th questions about uh about the story but go ahead actually before you do that we gotta go ahead and quickly bring up the honeycomb hideout so for any of you guys out there who love podcasts if you like anything like howard stern this is basically howard stern for geeks you want to check out the honeycomb hideout because the honeycomb hideout is going to be a great listen for anyone who's interested in you know not only talking about comics and you know hearing about the industry but just loves rawness in a podcast, like an hour-long podcast. So I'm going to put a link down below, of course, to this video. You guys will probably see it down there if you haven't checked it already. So when you're done listening to this interview, go ahead, check out the Honeycomb Hideout, and make sure you follow that. It's on Spotify. Anyway, back to this. Shout out to Joe and the squad over there. Now they're doing it up in the Honeycomb Hideout. Uh, so uh, back to it. Uh, what do you personally think... Uh, has set world peace apart uh from pretty much a lot of the other oel content out there uh especially those that were trying to get into the viz originals uh i, I feel like um the the concept of the earth shrinking down and like one guy having to try and figure out how to bring it back to normal is something that i don't think has ever been done before <laughs> Uh, so that's like one thing that really set it apart. And uh, like, I, I'd imagine, so it's definitely not a battle manga. And I could definitely see Viz picking up like OEL manga that's more in the vein of battle manga. So like Dragon Ball Z and JoJo and One Punch Man and stuff like that. Uh, Road Piece is definitely an adventure story. Um, so I actually wonder if like they're getting a lot of battle manga pitch pitches and then maybe just road piece being like, uh, a space opera adventure story kind of helps set it apart too. Um, I love that I'm seeing some Mecca in there to be honest with you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was my, <laughs> you want to talk about my favorite part. <laughs> I was like, uh. When you uh, when you showed off uh, Gotti, yeah. like okay, uh, let me let me just Gotti's first body. I already was like, ooh, <laughs> <laughs> I was checking it out and everything. I was like, yeah, yeah. oh man, that look, that, that meth body looks good. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I I expected it to tear some stuff up too. <laughs> uh, wasn't wasn't expecting the world ball to be as broken as it was, but um, yeah, uh, Gotti will definitely be coming back you haven't seen the last of her um and yeah that's i i feel like um if you if you read spara and then you read road piece you kind of see the same type of storytelling techniques like um in terms of how i write adventure stories but uh since i was writing a manga um i definitely thought in terms of okay what's all the cool stuff that i like in manga so uh, I, that's I, I knew I definitely had to get some like mechs in there and that kind of thing. Uh, we do like little twists here and there um, 
to, to of course, help, help everything stand out a bit more. But uh, there, there are tropes that um, could be seen as guilty pleasures about manga, but uh, that I personally enjoy. So like uh, volume two is gonna have a hot springs uh, scene. Only it'll be a bit different from other hot spring scenes since it's just uh, Lucas Mitten and a giant fish alien. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there, like, uh, I, I thought in terms of like some manga tropes and um, just how I could fit them into the story and kind of twist them a little. Um, not necessarily to subvert them, like, oh, I could do this, but make it better. But more like, uh, I want to do this thing that I love, but just do it in my own way, in a way that um, serves the story. Um, well, as you said, it serves the story. That's important, you know? Yeah. Um, and so uh, who came up with, uh, uh, or how, how did the Gotti version two body uh, come about? That, that, that was well equipped. Yeah, uh, so, um, so I guess we should start with like the robot army to begin with. Um, so the, the robots in the robot army are actually inspired by like 1950s NASA robots. If you go on Google image search and look at these things, they're pretty cool and creepy looking. So when I saw those, I was like, okay, that's our robot army. Um, so we took inspiration from that. So then when we moved on to Gotti, uh, Gotti is like, um, she's a combination of different parts that uh, Dr. Reynolds, the uh, scientist, uh, used to create Gotti. And so Gotti, like her first form, uh, has elements of the robot army, but she also, she, she's kind of like uneven and stuff like that. So you can kind of tell that she was like put together from different parts. And she was also inspired by Anthony Gotti, the um, Italian uh, architect. Mm. Um, so uh, his architecture style kind of uh, influenced her design a bit um, and also influenced some of the architecture, which is one of the reasons why a lot of the architecture has those like uh, smooth, curvy, organic designs um, that was inspired by uh, Gaudi. And then, so when we moved on to the Big Mac, it's like, okay, now we take Gotti's last form and make it into a huge mech. And uh, I, yeah, I was definitely thinking of like Metal Gear Solid and stuff like that. Uh, so yeah, when we got to that point, I was writing the script. I was like, okay, this is Gotti as a mech from Metal Gear Solid. And that's kind of what we went with. And Agroshka, um, uh, she's a big Zone of the Enders fan. I, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there, I feel like there's some Zone of the Enders influence in there. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> well, thank you. How has it been uh, uh, working with uh, Groshka? I mean, obviously we don't have a Groshka here to talk with the Groshka too, but you know, how's that process been? Uh, you should try and invite her to it uh, to do this. That'd be great. Um, uh, but yeah, she's been amazing to work with. Um, she, she she usually like knows what I'm going for with a design. 
Uh, and if not, then it only takes like a couple of suggestions to get it exactly how we want it. Um, she's extremely hardworking. She's just been working on world peace nonstop. Um, uh, yeah, um, when we were working on world peace volume one, we would have weekly meetings and stuff like that. Uh, we had a bit more time to work on that book. Uh, now with volume two, um, we just kind of email each other back and forth. Uh, so she has more time to focus on drawing. Um, but yeah, she uh, she grew up with a, a love of science fiction. Um, and I think uh, when she was growing up, she liked shonen manga more than I did. Um, like I, I, I go for more like the adventure stories and stuff. Um, or I, I like the sports stuff like slam dunk. I, I don't go for the um, battle stuff as often. Mm -hmm. But um, when she was growing up, I think she liked the, the battle stuff a bit more. Um, and so that influence kind of comes out in, in the battle scenes. Um, and yeah, it's great because um, I, I'm, pre I'm pretty sure like, uh, I, I never asked her since it would be rude to ask, but I'm pretty sure she's around my age as well. Um, and whenever we talk about manga and anime and video games, we always come back to like the same, same things, uh, that we grew up enjoying. So yeah, I, I feel like it, it all comes to together really well so that, um, uh, real peace can have like a coherent vision instead of, um, being like more in one direction than the other. Like when I look at World Peace and I flip through it, I, I see something that was definitely created in collaboration. That's that's very important because I, I don't think a lot of uh, creators out there realize how important that um, comics, whenever you're doing any kind of comic, it's like a marriage between art and writing. You know? Yeah, yeah. You know, if you don't have one, if like your story's lacking or if the art, you know, people are, aren't, you know, on the same page and you're both painting something totally different from each other, then the story's not going to line up the right way. Yeah, it, it also, it's been going both ways where I'll make suggestions for her artwork, but she also makes suggestions for the story and the writing as well. So it, it's definitely a work uh, by both of us. Nice, nice, nice. So in terms of like uh, conventions, have you guys uh, like done any like um, shows for any conventions? Has this set you guys up to get out there and, you know. Uh, not with, yeah, not with um, COVID, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. um, like I used to do conventions before COVID um, for my other stuff. But uh, yeah, when things improve and I'm remaining optimistic, uh, Speaking for myself, I'll definitely be getting out there as much as possible. Um, and I'm in Canada. And I've only gone to the States like three times in my life. But with R World Peace, I plan on like uh, traveling to different conventions in the States pretty regularly. Nice. Uh, nice. Yeah. We're, we're right here, uh, you know, along the border. You know, we're in Michigan. So, you know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> So you can imagine we can come to Canada, you know, here and there. <laughs> Canada since you know well before, well for me, well before the the uh, pandemic. It's been a long time. But. Yeah, have you ever been to uh, TCAF, uh, Toronto Comics Arts Festival? No, I have not. Oh, okay, 
that's the yeah that's the one that i would go to every year uh it's a really nice one it's like mainly um like independent creators but uh they also make a point to getting like uh pretty well-renowned manga creators to go there as a special guest like one year they would have Inio asano another year they would have genji ito and uh, um, Taiyo Matsumoto and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah Junji Ito, I definitely love Junji Ito's work. So many people I feel like sleep on Junji Ito. I got like, was it, Tomie sitting like right here. Yeah. Like, yeah, Uzumaki is my favorite. Uh, I, I think the, the movie for Uzumaki is pretty cool too. Oh yeah, you know, I'm like, what else is there? Um, you know, I just got, uh, what was it? Um, this one as well. I just read or whatever. Yeah. Know. So I was um, trying to collect all those deluxe vis editions, but it seems like they come out with like ten a year. They're like <laughs> they're like thirty bucks in Canada. So I've had to be a bit pickier with them, but those editions are amazing. They are. So <laughs> uh, kind of going back to the uh, well, actually, before I go into the process a bit. Uh, I'm actually kind of curious. Uh, were you, as far as a writer, were you yeah. self-taught or were you mentored? Uh, definitely self-taught in the sense that um, the only teaching I would have received was in like high school, where I took creative writing classes, um, and I did get some good advice there. But it's not something that I went to college for. Um, so yeah, beyond high school, I'm definitely self-taught just from reading stuff like that. <laughs> I, I, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, I, I thought you came quite a bit of ways uh, from what I from what I read. I was wondering, like, oh, is he self-taught? It's just, it's kind of a mix <laughs> of some uh, some good industry stuff here. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, like uh, when I say self-taught, so like. My former partner, she did go to university uh, when we were together. And uh, she went there for creative writing and editing. And um, she would come home with like all of her textbooks. And then I'd read those from like beginning to end. Uh, and I also sat in on like a couple of her classes. Um, so, like, so you took the shortcut. I took the shortcut, the free shortcut. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, just self-taught, just a lot of reading, but I, I did like study structure and stuff like that, yeah. And uh, so, okay, the process, uh, because I'm always so curious about the, uh, to know more about the process. So especially what you're working with, uh, with, with official companies uh, like, like Viz, yeah. uh, I'm assuming you have an editor yeah, we have an editor. Um, her name is Fawn Lau. She used to be one of the designers at Viz. Like she designed um, One Punch Man. Uh, I think she designed like, uh, like she. I think she started the design for like those new JoJo hardcovers. Yeah, I remember reading. Uh, yeah, and she designed the uh, those really nice editions for Goodnight Poon Poon or Goodbye Poon Poon. I forget the title. But yeah, so she started as a, des a designer there, and then they invited her to be the editor for Viz Originals, and uh, and then she invited me. Um, 
to like send in a pitch for it. Uh, because uh, she knew about my work on Spira uh, and uh, she would actually come to TCAF every year to buy like the latest copy of that. Uh, I, I feel like one of the reasons why she was interested in it is because um, Spira books have really nice design as well. So I, I feel like she probably approached those as a designer and then enjoyed the stories as well. And then, yeah, and then from there she invited me to uh, send in a pitch and then took like a year for them to look at it and then decide to pick it up. Okay, and uh, was, I'm assuming you work with her often or is it a uh, process with your editor? Uh, no, uh, so like uh, we worked with her initially to like uh, build up Rogue Piece from scratch. Like, uh, uh, like originally I, I kind of wanted it to be more of like a steampunk thing. Uh, which is one of the reasons why I was looking at Royal Space Force. But uh, she suggested that we just make it like pure sci-fi. Um, and then she just had like uh, s some other suggestions and stuff like that in the beginning. And then from there, we just went ahead and made real peace. Um, so like last year, it's a four, four book series. And last year I wrote all four books. Um, and when it came time to like prepare the book for print and do the proofreading, um, that's when she kind of came back with, um, suggestions for the dialogue and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, those are, those are really the only times we would hear from her was when it got picked up and we were creating it. And then she just let us do our own thing for like a year <laughs> and then, <laughs> And then when it came time to publish the book, she appeared again and then had a few more suggestions. Um, I, I haven't actually asked her this, but part of me wonders if she just wanted us to like create a manga and then she like looks at it. Like kind of, kind of like if you think about Viz is just grabbing manga from Japan that's already been created. So I, I wonder if they're, they just, don't have that experience with working with creators like every step of the way. Like they're used to like go going to Japan, looking at this completed series, being like, okay, let's grab this one. Um, like they, they don't talk to the Japanese manga creators and like give them suggestions. Yeah. So it, 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 I feel like that might have been part of it. Uh, so yeah, that was how, how it went. We didn't really hear from her for like, a year, unless you like really, really needed her for something. That's an interesting take. Yeah, it was, it was pretty different for me too. I was kind of surprised by it, but I guess I'm a, I'm a little bit more used to it now. I guess. Yeah, because I I guess you know, somewhat traditionally wise, uh, you would you I guess you would expect to Darner had the editor breathing down your neck every step yeah. of the process. That was what I was expecting, um, mm -hmm. but yeah, uh, and right now we're working on book two, and I feel like we probably are, we've been working on it for a, a while now, um, since around the beginning of this year, uh, and I feel like the next time we'll hear from Harris when the book is done, <laughs> and then she can like look at the finished book and then make a few last minute suggestions again. 
Yeah, it's not what I was expecting, but uh, I feel like it's it's worked out. Uh, I don't know. Maybe she could be different with other creators. Maybe she just has more confidence in me or something. I, I don't know. But um, yeah, I mean, maybe it's, it's obviously a good book, and uh, you know, it's it's they put it out there like, hey, uh, <laughs> yeah, our number two original right here. Uh, get it out. Yeah, they they really put it out there. Like, um, they have like a full page ad on Anime News Network, which is like the big big anime mm -hmm. site. And I, I screenshotted that so I can cherish that forever. <laughs> print that out and fold it and like wear it as a locket. That was, that was like one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'd assume this must be like, like wow, this this it's this, real. Surreal. Yeah, no, I, I can't believe it either. Like I, I've actually made two separate <laughs> trips to the bookstore here. Like uh, I think you guys have a store called Barnes and Noble. Yeah. Uh, over here, uh, our equivalent is called Chapters. And uh, when the book came out, I went to Chapters so I could look at it on the shelf and take a picture. And <laughs> even then, it still didn't like quite feel real to me. And then like the next week, I went there with my um, kids so that they could pick up some books. And then I wandered over to like take a look, take a look at Rogue Piece again. And it still doesn't like feel totally real. Um, but yeah, it's it's, like, it's you just, like, you pick it up and then you're just like, you know, <laughs> like, hey, I mean, I'm I'm creator, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think I could do that, but it's it's a high that I, I don't want to come down from, and I feel like it'll it'll take a, a while for like the shock to wear off, and it'll definitely it'll no doubt like come again even stronger when like the second book comes out, since uh. Yeah, I feel like the, the second book, if um, people are still kind of unsure after reading the first book, if, if they read the second book, they'll like be fully aware of what the series is all about. Nice, nice. nice. I, time flies because yeah. uh, I, it's like I almost have a whole hour's worth, uh, another whole hour's worth of uh, questions for you at this point, but we got to get to the, uh, we got to get to the money ones. So, but sure. first and foremost, uh, for uh, for the for those uh, that are fans of yours or those uh, aspiring to be uh, following your path, uh, one, who were your uh, biggest influences uh, as, a, as a writer? Yeah, my biggest influences, like, um, so as a kid, I, I read Jeff Smith's Bone. Um, which is like a, a popular series. I read it back when it was a, a black and white self-published series. Um, and then it was later released by Scholastic as a color series. But uh, Bone was a big influence um, in the way that the characters interact and the story is told. Um, so like uh, like Jess, Jess Smith was an animator and his approach to Bone was to try and kind of like treat it as a cartoon. So he didn't have like text boxes telling you what was happening. He would only ever show you what was happening. So um, when I read that, I basically decided to like cut out 
Do you want me to do show and tell? You want me to grab a coffee of bone? <laughs> uh, I, I was saying, especially what he did, show don't tell. Oh yeah, yeah, show don't tell. Okay, I thought you said show and tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, and also, so well, to like kind of like shorten it a bit. Uh, I'd say like the absolute biggest influence on my writing that came from Bone is uh, the character interactions. So like the character banter, the way that characters bounce off of each other. I'd say if I had to like pick some aspect of my writing that I feel like is my biggest strength, it would be the character banter how, and how the characters interact with each other. Um, and then when I was a teenager, that was when I got more into uh, Neil Gaiman, who wrote Sand Sandman. Uh, and Sandman was pretty experimental um, and a lot more mature than a lot of the stuff that I was writing. So Sandman's influence on my writing was just the realization of how mature I could make a story and how experimental I could get with uh, the form and structure and stuff like that. Uh, and yeah, for manga, um, uh, I also read like Akira uh, when I was a kid. Um, it came out through Marvel. They had an imprint called Eclipse. Yeah, <laughs> so Akira was also a huge influence on me. Um, I think at the time, and I read it like way younger than I probably should have been. I, I, I think I might have been like nine or ten when I started reading Akira. Um, but I, I think Akira was like the first real manga I read, and it was absolutely the most immersive uh, story that I had ever read. Uh, just where like you start reading Akira and you feel like you're inside of that world and that you're there with the characters. Um, like it didn't have the uh, level of artifice that was in like X-Men and stuff. Um, like it felt real to me. Um, so I'd say that was, that was another influence on my writing, especially because that was what led to me just reading as much manga as I possibly could. Yeah, um, I feel like it's just like yeah. that um, mass, like that big influence for like the whole industry. Like, yeah, uh, so, like not to cut you off, I just have to say this really quick. Like, I heard recently, you know, like from like an interview or something like that, like way back or whatever. I think it was like on Monday that um, Osamu Tezuka was actually a little bit jealous. Um, <laughs> Of, uh, I don't know if that's true, you know, so I'm yeah. throwing information out, but I don't know if it's true. So I just want to make sure I say it in case anybody watching, like, hey, that didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I believe it. Um, but yeah, uh, I'd say those, those three. If I had to pick three things by three creators, it would be Bone, Sandman, and Akira by uh, Jeff Smith. Neil Gaiman and uh, Katsuhiro Odomo. Uh Yeah, for, for Rogue Peace, um, like the specific influences, it would just be a lot of the stuff that I was mentioning earlier. Akira at nine. Wow. Yeah, uh, I was like, I'm thinking, I'm thinking <laughs> uh, then I didn't get, I, I might be late because I don't think the most complicated thing I read what I, or I watched when I was nine was Evangelion. Oh wow, that's 
that would be pretty intense too. I watched that when I was um, 14, which I feel was the perfect age since all the, all the characters are 14 as well. I totally watched it so many times and still yeah. to this day, I find new things pulling uh, to pull from that series. Yeah. Uh, Same with Akira. Yeah, like if I, if I wasn't going to say pick manga, but I got to like pick anime as an influence, then Evangelion is probably the biggest influence on me on every level in my entire life. Uh, and th that's something that I rewatch like every year. Um, I'm pretty sure you watched that uh, that new uh, movie. I, mean, I haven't finished watching it yet, but you know the one. It's it's pretty long, like two and a half hours or something. But yeah, I, I watched that on the day it dropped, and because it's so long, I had to take like two breaks. I had to watch it in chunks. Uh, but yeah, I enjoyed it. It felt pretty conclusive, um, and the ending, which you haven't finished it yet, so I won't spoil anything. But uh, the ending in its own unique way brought tears to my eyes. <laughs> I've heard that. Yeah. Good to know. Good to know. All right. So uh, any, uh, I mean, this is kind of a traditional question of ours yeah. uh, on, the, on the spotlight. Uh, any creative rivals? Uh, you know, uh, it could be on some Naruto Sasuke type stuff, it could be on some uh Goku Vegeta, it could be on some Bakuman uh competitors type stuff, but you know, just just someone you could you on a on a friendly level or maybe even on a serious, maybe uh, that you uh, yeah, uh, I have a few and uh, it's definitely not rivals in a serious sense or anything, mm. but. Um, just, just a few of the people that I came up with. Um, so there's one creator named Yanni Milono Yanni. Uh, he did a series called Old City Blues, which also has a heavy manga influence. Um, right now, I think he's doing a Batman comic. Um, and like once again, as a, uh, as I was saying earlier, like about how people of our generation getting the manga influence into everything. Uh, like his style has a huge manga influence and he's doing a Batman comic with that style. But uh, yeah, like um, every once in a while we try to do something together. Sometimes it, it doesn't totally work out. Uh, um, I feel like <laughs> uh, he, I, I think he thinks some of my ideas are too weird, <laughs> but um we try, try to work with each other, but yeah, whenever I see like Yanni come up with something, I'm like, okay, I got to come up with something new as well. Like uh, I don't want to get left behind. So yeah, it is that kind of level of rivalry. Um, and then there's a, a French duo named Atelier Sento. It's, um, uh, and they do like, once again, it's like hugely manga influenced. They go to Japan like every year and then they'll make uh, comics or, or like French comics um, based on their travels and stuff like that. Um, and I've helped them with the uh, English localizations of some, some of their books. But uh, there are other creators where like whenever <laughs> Once again, whenever they come up with something new, I'm like, okay, I gotta come up with something now too. Um, and yeah, 
And I really cherish these friendships for sure, because uh, these are the people that really push me to like step things up, even if they aren't even like uh, consciously aware that they're doing it. Um, yeah, these people are, are like one of the, the reasons why I just wanna keep getting better and better and make bigger and bigger projects. That, <laughs> that, that blood boiling competitive drive. Just yeah, yeah. friendly competition. In my head, it's like uh, Pokemon, but in reality, it's not really like that. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. And uh, now I will leave the favorite question to you. All right. So it's the biggest question. What is your end game? You know, meaning... What do you how, like at the end of your your career? You know when you're old and you know you yeah. pretty much you know hit a lot of milestones. Basically, what is your final milestone that you want to hit? How do you see oh, your man. at the end of it? Like, what do you want? Uh, I guess to go with the boring answer first, and maybe I'll come up with a fun one second. But the boring answer is just to actually create a career out of it where I can just focus on writing full time without having to worry about like picking up a day job every once in a while. Um, like I'd want to just write for the rest of my life. Uh, but that's, that's difficult for like a lot of people. Like uh, a lot of creators would never publicly say this, but they have day jobs um, in order to support themselves. Uh, and then, I don't know, second thing, so like, it, it's almost hard to think of like a fun answer because like, I, I do want people to know I, I'm incredibly grateful that Biz is publishing World Peace. Like I, I never, I, I really never thought I'd have something as big as this. Like even if only like a hundred people read World Peace, just the fact that like Viz, the biggest, uh, comics publisher in North America um, publish it. It's like mind blowing for me. And this is the type of thing that probably would have been my milestone to look back on. Uh, so if I had to pick like the, the a really fun answer, then to go back to what we were talking about earlier, I want a, I want a real piece cartoon and I want it bad. <laughs> I, I want to be able to like, I want a cartoon of this to come out and then be able to look back and be like, okay, I did it. So, yeah. No, I mean, hey, I'm like, I would say keep it wrong. So I'm like, you kept yeah. your answer honest and, and true. You know, I can, yeah. um, you know, I can say, you know, hey, you're already out there, you know. Yeah, I, yeah, I got this thing. When it's oh my God. This up, so, <laughs> you know, world peace is definitely out there. Oh, there it is. <laughs> Yeah. That being said, um, gentlemen, I don't know, Nico, is there anything that you want to say before we get ready to close out? I fellow shiny spotlights, uh, or just oh, throw it out there. You know, like this video, send them likes up to make this video burn brightly, you know, to be able to have this interview stretch far and wide. I know that's a little exaggerated, but I have to say it. Go ahead, Nico. 
fellow Shining Lights. Uh, again, I'd like to thank uh, Josh for coming on here. Uh, if you have any uh, inspir uh, words of inspiration for anybody, uh, going back to anybody who may be uh, looking at you and thinking like, man, I, he, he's paving the way. I want to take his path. Uh, what, what would you advise to uh, these new uh, uh, folks that are aspiring to be an OEL creator? Yeah, uh, I think two pieces of, of advice I like to give out. One um, is definitely to get yourself out there because I feel like if I wasn't meeting Fawn at um, conventions, I wouldn't have Fawn right now. She wouldn't know who I am. Um, so like uh, net networking and stuff like that, you, you hear it all the time, but it, it seriously is important. Uh, follow editors on Twitter. You never know when they're going to be like asking for submissions and stuff like that. Uh, and then the other thing, like um, some people will think, oh, I could write too. And then they start writing and they realize how difficult it is and then they bail. But uh, when I started writing, I had difficulty even like writing a, a single paragraph. Uh, so when I started writing, I would just do like little vignettes of like take a single idea and then write it as a single paragraph. And then I went, and then I kept doing that until I, I got comfortable doing that. And I went from there and I started writing short stories. And then I went from short stories to novellas and then from novellas to web comics and then from web comics to uh, entire graphic novel series. So like, um, you're going to be intimidated when you start writing, but don't be because like the time that you put into it is very much what you're going to get out of it. Um, so yeah, just keep at it. Um, and even if you write stuff that you've, you're not happy with, um, everything's a learning experience. Like uh, all my early stuff, I would never show anybody. Um, but I could tell that I was improving with like everything I did. And I kept getting more and more ambitious. So, yeah, basically, just just stick with it, um, and yeah. Okay. Words, wisdom from Josh himself. <laughs> so, Thank you, everyone, for uh, for coming out, watching. Uh, again, if you'd like to see more content from. Uh, from us with the shiny spotlight, definitely uh, go ahead and check, uh, like, subscribe, check out. We got three more episodes left in this season. So we have episode 10, 11, and 12 for season three. So definitely make sure you guys subscribe to this channel, stick around. You know, of course we have other videos coming and we have some other surprises coming up on the channel. But in terms of shining spotlight, there are three more episodes left in this season. Make sure you go ahead, you know, you go to your store, check out World Peace, you know, definitely go ahead, check it out. Um, you know, I definitely want to thank you again, Josh, for coming on today, you know, giving us your time, you know, and, and, and talking and enlightening us with some knowledge today. Um, and then um, for everybody who's been here, check out this interview. You guys, uh, you know, have somebody you want to see on the show, especially for next season in particular, just go ahead and let us know, send us a message and subscribe to this channel for more content. So with that being said, we will see you guys later. Yep, we'll have uh, links in the description for uh, uh, all of uh, Josh's uh, social media platforms as well. Okay, all right. cool.
Thanks so much, guys. This is great. Thank you. Catch you all later.